yesterday or last night, I had the the privilege of sharing in a youth event with the uh, sister church, Grace Baptist, in the Philippines. And uh, it was a meaningful time. Um, one of the reasons we do children's time, sometimes without even children in our congregation, is this is online and kids can watch and kids in another land can watch. Uh, but I want to let you know because I want you to be praying very specifically. Last night at Grace, three young people gave their lives to Christ and many more rededicated themselves and their commitments. So they, like us, need the Word of God and, and Pastor Luciano is ministering and we're just thankful, uh, asking you to be in prayer for that church and churches all around the world like her. In one of my favorite pieces of literature, J.R.R. Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, a hobbit named Frodo is called upon to make this incredible journey. He's asked to leave the comfortable home in the Shire and travel to a distant land. Uh, when he, the initial shock wears off of him, he comments, Of course, I have sometimes thought of going away, but I imagine that as a kind of holiday, a series of adventures like Bilbo's or better, ending in peace. But this would mean exile, a flight from danger into danger. As for where I'm going, it would be difficult to get that away, for I have no clear idea myself. Yet, where am I to go? And by what shall I steer? What is to be my quest? I feel very small, very uprooted, and well, desperate. Now, we have not been called, chosen to destroy the one ring of power in the lands of Mordor. But most of us have felt, at some time or other in our lives, a sense of uncertainty. We didn't quite know where life would lead us. We didn't know what would happen along the path. There have been times we've been filled with doubt, with dis desperation, fear. Now most of us in the building today have started on that road to faith. For some of us, it was decades ago. For others, it was a short time. We began the first part of our journey. But we have opened our hearts to the one who's given his life for us and we have received the grace of God in our lives. And yet, there are still times we face fear. There are still times of uncertainty. We wonder do I really have enough faith to complete this journey? Can I keep moving on? Can I find what life is about? We read about men like Abraham, and all of a sudden, this, this man is held in high esteem by more than one world religion. And we see his great faith, and we think, I, I could never have that kind of faith. I could never have put my child on an altar. I, we, we can't be like him. Well, this morning we are beginning to look at Abraham. We'll be looking at his story for quite a while. Abraham on the road to faith. And as we look at his story throughout the book of Genesis, we're going to discover he is a man on journey. He is a pilgrim walking through this life, seeking to follow God, seeking to find meaning, seeking to find direction. And when we do that, you and I are going to discover something. We have more in common with Abraham than we may think. 
because we are on that journey. So I ask you to stand in honor of God's word as we look at our text this morning. And today I'm going to be reading from chapter 11, verse 31, through chapter 12, verse 3. Listen with your hearts as well as your ears the word of the Lord. Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, and the wife of his son Abram, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Terah lived 205 years, and he died in Haran. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country and your people and your father's household and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. And I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and curse whoever curses you. I will curse and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. God bless the reading of his word. You may sit down as we began to look at Abram on the first part of the journey. And again, most of us in this building have begun that journey ourselves. And we are continuing to move forward. So in our text, God makes Abram a command and tells him what's going to happen with his life. And as we hear that, we understand God has a purpose for our life as well. So we're going to look specifically, because I've mentioned our, the things we have in common, we're going to look at some commonalities between Abraham's life and what God is doing and what is happening within our lives. And so we're going to begin the journey with our first commonality and look at the truth. A call is issued. A call is issued. So Abram, this man... And I, I will be using, the, the Bible uses two different names for him. Abram means the father is exalted. Later on he will be given the name Abraham, which means father of the nations. But now, Abram receives a call. God called Abram out of the land of Ur. Now some people believe that Abram received his call in Haran. And it's not hard to see this. When you look at some translations, they at least seem to suggest this is what happened. Let me read for you uh, the last part of verse 31 down into 3 from the English Standard Version. When they came to Haran, they settled there. The days of Terah were 205 years, and Terah died in Haran. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. So that kind of reads, they make their way to Haran, they settle down, Terah dies, God gives Abram a call. But in the seventh chapter of the book of Acts, we have the sermon of Stephen as he's preaching to the Sanhedrin, telling about his faith. And in Acts 7-2, Stephen makes this statement, Brothers and fathers, listen to me. God of glory appeared to our father Abram while he was still in Mesopotamia, he before he lived in Haran. So God called Abraham, Abram, in a pagan and adulterous land. Ur, the reason it's called Ur of the Chaldeans in Genesis is just an accommodation. When Moses readers and all those who would read after his initial readers, 
they would know the Chaldeans. Folks, those, that was another word from the Babylonians. They may not know Ur, but they would know the Chaldeans. It would be like saying, going to hot coffee in Mississippi. If I said going to hot coffee, you'd think you're going for a drink. But there is a place. And you might know Mississippi, but you may never have heard of hot coffee. So Ur of the Chaldeans. And it was a pagan country. The primary god in Ur, in fact all of Mesopotamia, was the moon god. And we know from Joshua 4.2 that Terah and his descendants were, and, or moon were all, excuse me, idol worshippers, most likely worshipping the moon god. And so, the first thing we need to know, Abram was probably a pagan. Abram probably worshipped the moon god like all those he had come from and the people in the land in which he lived. So the call from God came in the form of a command. And the command is very simple. Leave. And what he said, leave your country, your people, and your father's house. And I will take you to a land that I will show you. We know today that God called Abram and he was to go ultimately to Canaan. Now I need you to understand something. God is calling Abram to separate himself from everything that has made him who he is at this point. He is being called to turn his back on everything. From a God He never knew until he calls him. When he is calling Abram to leave his country, leave the people behind, go to where I'm going to show you, leave your father's house, Abraham was putting his survival, his identity, his future, his security, everything, Abram's giving it over to the hands of this God. And God said, I will then show you where you need to go. It's very important that you understand this. It's very important that you grab hold of this. None of this, none of it, was based on Abram's merit. Folks, he didn't have any merit. He was an idolater. He was a pagan. And if God had not reached out to Abram, he would have died an idolater. I've sometimes heard people say, well, God looked and he saw Abram and he knew what a man of faith, he knew that he was a God. No, God called Abram. And it wasn't because of what Abram had done. I love Warren Wiersbe's take on this because when when you look at the whole story, it's rather absurd. He said, from a human point of view, God's choice of Abram and Sarah, who had no children, was a foolish one. Well, hoax. They were already up in years. And God says, I'm going to make you a great nation. Where's he's right? It seems like a foolish idea. But ultimately it brought glory to God and great blessing to all the people of the world. Now when we understand that Abraham received this call of God, leave, go where I tell you, it informs us and what has happened in our lives. If you have faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, if you know Him, then we have an understanding we need to get to. 
we were called to a different life when we were saved. Folks, we were called to something brand new. A difference, a change. We're not the same people. Let me give you a few scripture references. You may want to write them down. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone. All things have become new. Folks, we weren't just reformed. We were renewed. We were reborn. We are not the same. God took a heart of stone and turned it into a heart of flesh. We are now brand new in Christ. Hebrews 3.14 says, For here we do not have an enduring city, but we are looking for the city that is to come. Remember, we're told that Abraham looked for a city that had foundations, whose builder and maker was God. We're looking for that same city. We belong to that city. Now, I acknowledge that I have, I am a citizen of the United States, and I take that very seriously. But my primary walk, my primary home is heaven. And so I need to understand that, because that will help us know the next part of our call, found in 1 John 2.15, do not love the world or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not with him. Now, we're told God so loved the world. We're talking about different things. When John 3.16 says God so loved the world, it was saying God loves the people that he created. When we are told not to love the world, we're being told not to love the system of the world, the way the world thinks, the secular mindset that says, I don't need God in my life. We are called to something more. We live in this world. But it's not ultimately our home. We're passing through. And every child of God that has ever lived at some point in time has a deep sense of homesickness. I was meant for more than the world as I know it. We are to live following God, trusting in God, serving God, and that's the only way that you and I can make a difference in this world. I can't shine the light of Jesus if not, I, I'm not open to what He's doing, if I'm not listening to His call. I can't make a world in the darkness uh, light without walking in an intimate relationship with my God. And so we need to understand this. We have been called to a different life. How is that possible? We need to be living the life we're called to which we're called. And this can only be done when I say yes to the Lord. Abram could not be the father of a nation if he thought he was hallucinating and stayed in Ur. I can only shine a light when I'm yielded to God's purpose in my life. So basically, whatever God has in store for you, wherever He calls, wherever He moves, wherever He directs your life, we need to learn to say yes to God. Here I am. Take me and use me as you will. We need to learn to say yes. And that is possible. It was possible for Abram to pull up stakes and leave because something else was sent. It wasn't just a call. It's possible for us to live for Christ, not just because He says, I want you to be different, 
Our next commonality shows promises are given. Promises are given. This is, this is, this is beautiful. God says, get up and leave everything you've ever known behind you. And it'll be okay. See, God gave Abram some amazing promises. First, he tells Abram, I am going to make of you a great nation. And that must have just made Abram awestruck. Is there hope? Will I be a father? Will, will we see these descendants come to place? He said, I will make of you a great nation. And we know He is the Father of Israel. He said, I will bless you. Now that idea is God is going to give Abraham everything he needs to have the good that God intends for his life. It's not just saying, oh, bless you. It's saying, I, God, the living God, I'm going to give you what you need. I'm going to bless you and shower you with those blessings. And then he said, I'm going to give you a great name. Now this is important. Earlier in chapter 11, we are told about the peoples of the earth as they have gathered on the plain of Shinar. And they have said, we're going to stay right here. Instead of spreading throughout this world, as God, we're going to stay right here. And they said, we're going to make a name for ourselves. We are going to build a tower that will go all the way to heaven. We, everybody's going to say, look what a great people they were. God said, I am going to give you a great name. I am going to give you a reputation that all the world can see and have hope through. Then you will be a blessing. And the actual reality, that phrase, you will be a blessing, that's the way it's translated in most translations. It's actually a command. Having done all this, having given you all these blessings, Abram, be a blessing. Be a blessing. And then he says, I will bless the ones who bless you. I will curse the ones who curse you. Those who would mistreat Abram and his descendants would suffer the consequences. Those who bless them would have the blessings of God upon them. And then, the most amazing promise of all. All the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. What did he mean? Well, those of you who were with us as we looked at uh, Galatians together, we know that answer. Galatians 3.8 says, The Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham All nations will be blessed through you. God was saying, your seed, your descendant, will bring blessing to all peoples of the earth. Jesus Christ is the one who brought that blessing. And folks, God is telling Abraham, I am going to do all of this for you. You trust me. This is what I'm going to do. Now we look at Abram and say, man, I wish I had some promise. I wish I could have that kind of certainty. Folks, we can. Because as children of the living God, the life of faith in Christ is a life of promise. 
Think about it. Think about the many different things the Word of God tells us. First of all, because of Christ, we have peace with God. I'm not at war with Him anymore. I'm not fighting Him anymore. I have said yes, and God has reconciled me to Himself. He is now my Father. He is now my King. He is my God. Peace with God. Forgiveness for sin. The world really doesn't have an idea what we do with that. But God says, I can make you clean. I can make you whole. Jesus promises not just life, but abundant life. Life that is rich and meaningful purpose. We are told that God gives us a peace which passes understanding in our times of struggle and anxiety as we go to Him and lift our burdens to Him. We are told that God's grace is sufficient for our weaknesses. When we can't take another step, when we can't go the rest of the journey, God says, trust me, I'll give you what you need. God has promised us eternal life. Folks, your eternal life doesn't begin when you die. It began when you became a Christian. And ultimately, we will spend eternity before the God who has showered us with His love. Those are promises that we can cherish. But promises aren't very good if they're never acted upon. If I could write you a check, I could write it, but you can't cash it. But if I could write you a check that you could cash for a million dollars and you deposit it in your bank and then never touched it, what good will it do you? These promises God has given us are real and powerful and we have to understand we must learn to trust God's promise in order to serve Him to live faithfully. We began a journey of faith. At some point in our life, we took that first step. And right now, today, I'm calling on you for a renewed commitment to that journey. We took it by faith, and it is by trusting in God's promise, trusting in God's word, that we can find the ability to become what God means for us to be. Folks, God, God takes us right where we are. When we come to Him, you don't have to clean up your act in order to become a child of God. If that was in the requirement, nobody would ever be a child of God. He takes you in your sinfulness. At the very worst, God loved you. God commended His love toward us in this. Christ died for us while we were still sinners. Romans 5.8 says. At your very worst. But you know what? God loves you so much He doesn't want to leave you there. He wants to make you into something more. And so God, as we learn to trust the promises, as we learn to step out on faith and look at Him, God is going to bring the changes that we need. And folks, we desperately need change. Because the next commonality is one I'd rather not share with you. The next commonality is not a praise the Lord, hallelujah moment. We need God to change us because in this text, we come to an awareness stumbling can happen. Almost right off the blocks in his marathon race, Abram has a problem. He 
You see, I believe as we look at the text very carefully, we discover that Abram's path suffered a time of delay. Abram's listening to God was partial. And now we're going to look. Go back and look at 11, 31 and 32. And we need to see something here. We know, already stated, God calls Abram out of Ur. And we know that he was meant to go to Canaan. And he began the journey. But he didn't complete it. A couple of things happened. Instead of going to Canaan, he stops in Haran for several years. From the wording of our text, the second problem, Abraham starts and then stalls out at Haran. The second part, did you catch? Terah is in charge. His father. Hebrews 11 says, Terah went up to go to Canaan, bringing his grandson. Haran, Lot's father, had died. Bringing Abram, Sariah's wife. And they get it to Haran, and they stop. Somehow, Terah is now leading the pack. And remember what God said. He didn't just say leave the land, did he? He said leave your father's household. But here they are. Gene Getz has got a wonderful book called Men of Character, Abraham. And you can actually, he actually has some worksheets and all that that you can do part of. But he imagined what, what conversation might Abram and his father have had. Dad, you're not going to believe what happened to me. Really, son, tell me. Well, I know there is a God greater than all gods. I have seen Him. He talked with me. Abram, I told you to stay out of the wine cellar, right? Yes, Dad, but I haven't been drinking. It's true. I've seen Him and I've heard Him. You're really serious, aren't you? You say you've seen Him and heard Him? Yes, Dad, I I saw him in a glorious manifestation. I couldn't see his face, but I could make out an outline of his person. And I heard his voice clearly, just as clearly as I'm hearing yours right now. Well, what in the world did he say? Well, it may sound strange, but he told me to pack up and leave her. Do what? To leave her and the whole land. And, and, and what, Abram? To leave you behind, Dad. To leave my family. To leave all my relatives. Nonsense. You have been drinking. No, Dad, it's true. And it's real. It, it was no dream. I've got to follow this call. I must obey, even though I don't know where this place is. And I don't know much about this God. I'm convinced that He has more power than all of our gods here in Mesopotamia. But you can't just set out without knowing 
where you're headed. But God said he'd show me a new land and I believe him. Abram, you've been hallucinating. This is absolute nonsense. You're sick. You have a fever. I'm not ill, dad, and I'm not drunk. This is crazy. Didn't this God give you any clue as to where in the world he wanted you to go? Well, he told me he would show me somewhere in the West, I think. What's more, God promised he would make me a great nation. And eventually, through me, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Son, you're not going alone. This God you speak of must have something very special planned for you, and I'm not going to miss it. I've always wanted to be something more than a shepherd. I'm going with you. You'll remember, I'm going with you. So let's start packing. The reality is we don't know how it happened. Maybe Abram struggled with the idea it was so foreign to him to leave my father's household. In the day, that household didn't mean you were all in one tent. You have your own place, but you were all under the umbrella of the patriarch of the clan. Maybe that was just too hard for him to understand. He was ready to leave her behind. He was ready to recognize that the gods of Mesopotamia were not real. But something in him, he just couldn't let go. And for whatever ultimate reason, he follows Tara's lead. Where they settle down in Haran. And that word settle is the exact same word used in chapter 11 earlier for the people in the plain of Shinar when they settled in Shinar instead of doing what God wanted them to do. And the reality is, Terah had to die before Abram was ready to move on. Again from Stephen's sermon, Acts 7, verse 4. So he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. After the death of his father, God sent him to this land where you are now living. Abram had probably adopted Lot into his family at this point. Lot's father had died. So Lot was actually part of Abram's household. So he, Abram, the whole family, all leave. Now, it's easy for us to shake our heads at Abram. It's very easy for us to say, man, he blew it right off the start. But before we're ready to do that, folks, we need to recognize we can be sidetracked from the purpose of God. How many times have we found ourselves wandering from God's will? Sometimes, if we're honest, if we're honest, it happened when we inter intentionally turned away from what God wanted to do what we wanted. James said sin begins when we give in to the natures and give in to what we want to do. Sometimes we've allowed ourselves to be influenced by those who don't want to follow God. Those who have no heart to follow God. Back in the 19th century, the great preacher F.B. Meyer said it becomes us to be very careful as to whom we take with us in our pilgrimage. We may make a fair start from our Ur, but if we take Terah with us, 
we shall not go far. Take care, young pilgrim to eternity, to whom you mate yourself in the marriage bond. Beware, man of business, lest you find your terror in the man with whom you are entering into partnership. So we have no right to call Abram out for his partial obedience when we ourselves have failed. We have stumbled. I've told you from a physical perspective, I don't have to have a hole in a parking lot to fall. I'm fully capable of falling under my own power. But I have stumbled many times in my walk with God. And I want you to understand something because it's at that moment the doubt sets in. It's at that moment when we have failed that we wonder, did we ever believe? Did we ever have hope? Are we, are we lost forever? We need to understand something. We must not surrender to despair when we stumble. When we fall, the reality is at that moment disbelief and disobedience sets in, we can be stuck there if we don't remember God's call. We can fall into a pit thinking to God, surely by now, this was too much. He's never going to forgive me again. He could never use me again. I failed him so many different times. And it's easy to go there. I have been there. I am pretty certain there will be a time in my life when I will face that pit again. But as we look at Abraham, he didn't stay there, did he? Abram did not stay in the pit of despair and neither must we. You see, we can find hope. We can find hope. Yes, we all can stumble. But our last commonality, this is the hallelujah moment. Grace is given. Grace is given. Folks, the call of Abram was always about the grace of God. Grace, God wasn't impressed with Abram's godliness. He wasn't godly. God wasn't Impressed with the, the goodness of Abram, he worshipped the moon god. God extended Abraham grace. I told you earlier, none of it happened because of the, mer uh, the merit of Abraham. And it is nowhere seen more clearly than right where we are today. God gave him a command, leave, and part of that command he ignored. Partial obedience. And it would have been completely just if God said, okay, I, you blew it. You're gone. I'm going to get somebody else. I'm going to call somebody else. But God didn't. Without God's gracious hand upon his life, Abram would have disappeared into obscurity. One idolater among countless others. There were costs, yes. Abram's partial obedience had a cost. One, he lost years. There are some scholars who believe he may have been in Haran as many as 15 years before he moved on. 15 years. 
And I've often wondered, did Abraham ever look back in his life and said, why did I throw away that time? Why didn't I not listen to God? And then the loss of his father. Now yes, Terah was an old man. But Terah's death was necessary for Abram to move on. He was stuck there and probably would have stayed there many more years. But in the end, God continued to use Abram to bring about his eternal plan. Now if you've ever read Genesis, you well know this is not the only moment of stumbling that we'll find with Abram. He did some other things that wow. Just absolutely wow. But knowing Abraham's story and so many like him, we can go through the Bible, all these different people. We can look at Moses. At one point, Moses killed a man. And then had to run away. We can look at David. Committed adultery and murder. You can look at Paul. Who was arresting Christians. And sending them to a most certain death. But we can look and see how God forgives. God restores. And we can know there is hope. When we stumble. When we stumble. It's not the last word. You see if we had. If our salvation were dependent upon us. Our perfect obedience and our merit. None of us would ever have a chance. We need to recognize. We need to be honest. Everyone in this room. And everyone who has ever existed. Say the Lord Jesus Christ. We are all capable of sin. And we are all capable of even atrocious acts. Horrible acts of sin. And we've got to acknowledge that. On my own. I've already told you more than once and I will tell you more than once after this. All of the garbage in my life is me. Anything good in my life comes from the hand of God. And if God's hand were not on me, I don't even want to think about the garbage level. We have experienced, as we sang, what a beautiful hymn. We have experienced the marvelous grace of our loving Lord. And that grace will be the key to our victory. Paul wrote to the Colossians, Colossians 2.6. Just as you received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in Him. How do we receive Christ Jesus as Lord? By grace through faith. How are we going to live for Him? By grace through faith. Trusting Him to move And make us what we can be. When we are ready to admit our stumbling, when we are ready to turn our hearts back to God, we can know that the grace of God is sufficient to get us back on track.
He alone can restore us. He alone can give us the strength to get back to the path He wants for us. And it is in His path that we have hope. Following His direction. One of my favorite passages in the entire book of Proverbs is Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge Him and He will make your paths straight. A much more literal translation. He will make your paths straight. On the first start of a new journey of faith. Hopefully a new and a fresh commitment. God, I want to really become who You want me to be. We have a God who says, yield yourself to me and I'll direct your path. Yield yourself to me and I'll make that path straight. C.S. Lewis, who was a good friend of J.R.R. Tolkien, whose writings, both fiction and nonfiction, challenge my heart all the time, once said, rather perceptively, a Christian isn't one who never goes wrong, but one who is enabled to repent and begin over again after each stumble because of the inner working of Christ. You see, folks, God has called us to a different life. To live as citizens of heaven in the midst of a world. He's given us promises that will enable us to live that life. And the great good news, even if we stumble, His grace is sufficient to pick us back up again so we can start the journey fresh. So my prayer today for each of us, not just you, my prayer is that each of us will commit today Lord, I want to more faithfully follow You. I want to learn what it means to trust in Your promises and and let You hold me up and, and carry me. I want to give my life into Your hands. You will see me through this journey. We're on the road to faith. So let's keep walking. I'm going to ask you at this time for you to bow your heads before God. I'm going to ask you very seriously to consider this call. This decision to walk. The walk of faith. 